0: So another very special episode of the Not The 92 podcast. It's a double episode this week. The first part is our usual weekly roundup of all the goings-on in non-league feeding you that ever special non-league trip. Arwen Noah and Thomas Mitchell are with you this afternoon. As we, and well, wherever you are listening to whatever time of the day, it's great to have you with us. We're very excited to be recording this one because it's been so much that's gone on yet again this week. New leaders at the top of the National League, the curtailment of Step 2 being confirmed and the outrage amongst many clubs who committed to making a league. We'll dig into that. We're also going to dig in, as always, to all the action in the last seven days in the National League. As well as that, there's some more big news that has been announced in the last couple of days in regards to to the future of this, of this cup of the cup competitions this season, so we've got so much to cover. Big old Tom is with me again today. How are you going, Tom?
1: Yeah, all good again, Ahmed. Yeah, it it was the week I thought that was going to happen. I had that feeling we we're going to get new leaders in the National League, and it, yeah, it certainly has happened with uh, lots of entertaining games along the way. So, uh, yeah, can't wait to talk about that. Uh, there's, there's a lot along with uh, all the other news as well in the non league world,
0: absolutely massive things have happened in the last couple of days. As i stressed, big double episode this. Why? Later this week, or in terms of week, we don't always dip two episodes out, but later this week, we'll, we will be talking to Chris Commons. Greg Clark will be hosting the Night and Extra with Tom as always present. So, Please tune in to that, we're very excited to have him on the show and he will be giving you a lot, he'll give not only us, but you guys in particular, a lot of great stories and anecdotes of his time in, particularly at Celtic and their Championship, having developed a very early on in his career at Knox County, who are currently in the National League. So please, as always, we urge you to have a look at that when it gets released. Well, that's been recorded today, as soon as we finish with this show, but... Big admin for us to get out of the way. As always, big shout out to Moon Party, our good friends of North, who provide us with The Strangers Living in My Head, our title song. A great band. Please check them out in the description. And to Foundry Sports for all those excellent kits and great, great training where you can have on the streets when you're not playing at all. Supporting your team the best way you can. Foundry Sports do that job very well. So big shout out to them. And their socials are also in the description as well as their website. As always, though. It's, big, it's time to get into the nitty gritty. And the biggest news this week has been has probably pretty much not only rocks me and Tom, but has rocked the entire National League pyramid to the core. Now, for weeks since the, since the confirmation that National League North and the South would be curtailed this season following votes that were shared out between all the clubs in the, both divisions there have been plans since that evening for a way of completing the season and getting teams promoted to the first division of the National League. Unfortunately, and rather annoyingly, the National League went over to the FA and said, here are the proposals that have been placed out by all these clubs who still want to play. Now, 18 clubs signed a um, letter to the FA when the curtailment of the National League was, north and South was confirmed. They They all signed the letters asking very simply, we want to play football. We want there to be promotion because it wouldn't be fair on us who are keen to play, who are keen to be able to find a clear and, and a more you know stable solution to finishing the season. In the end, many clubs put their signature on it. The particular 18 included sides who were in the higher level areas of the National League and North, North and South tables. So today. As we are as we obviously recording this, a couple as of today, a couple of days back, the announcement was made that the FA Alliance Committee and co all decided that this was not a good idea. You guys don't really need to cause any more problems to the National League as it already has plenty. And have decided in the end, ultimately to curtail not only this season as it is now, but to not accept the proposals to have the Mini League take place. Now, this Mini League would have been formed of Clubs playing each other once in the remaining uh, months of the season from March until May. Two promotions with one automatic and one in the playoffs with no relegation from step one. But clubs start with their pay, points per game average multiplied by 15. All clubs start with 20 points and a negative goal difference. That was the proposals that were uh, set out to the Alliance Committee and the National League board in regards to what they what the clubs wanted. It led to an outrage of responses, as always, very big campaigns of constantly playing football this season and continuing it continuing as it would have been, Dorky Poitras, a very simple statement from them. The league claimed the vote to be democratic, yet created a vote which, whereby Division One could close down the other. One division could close down the other, sorry. The incompetent leadership of the league has led to all clubs to be placed under stressful and difficult circumstances. The restructuring of the vote also enabled it Step One to continue, and eventually, essentially, vote for no relegation. Yet, nationally, we use words such as integrity in their press releases, scathing comments. There, Dartford responded with a, with a similar sort of response. We, uh, we are immediately. Oh, please forgive me. I have had no coffee today. Uh, we are extremely disappointed that the season is sufficiently over. Equally disappointed that the result was not related. Directly to the clubs by the National League After so much time and effort Had been invested in the alternative proposal So Tom this is where you come in As always regularly When we don't have this problem Tom is our National League North correspondent Oliver Smart who does our National League South correspondent is a little bit of a sabbatical But I think we'll wait until the football does restart To rejoin us again But speaking I'm sure on behalf of Oli And the many fans that love him Clearly uh, Tom I wanted to hear from you Obviously this is More or less rubber stamping What was voted for In February And now there's just the absolute Outcry of clubs who were desperate To still want to play football Now having literally no Chance at all to be, to be kept In any way playing football On a competitive basis for the rest of this season What are your, what are your takes on that one?
1: Yeah, so I mean, having a look at this idea uh, a, a, a bit more, I've got to admit, I, I'm in agreement with quite a, a lot of people from from the comments I've seen. It, it, I would say, when I when I had a look at it, it, it looked like a, a game from the old. It's it's a knockout sort sort of thing. It's um, yeah, it, it's it. it it seemed a bit bizarre to me, to be honest. Um, So like some of the details were, so clubs play each other uh, once, there'd be two promotions, one automatic and one playoffs. Uh, So no relegation with step one. Um, Clubs would start with their points per game average multiplied by 15. Clubs would start with at least 20 points and all clubs would start with uh, zero goal difference. So I I think to a lot of people when they read this idea um, and certainly when the FA would have read it, it, it just would have seemed, um, yeah, a, a bit bizarre to be honest. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, when I, when I look at it, it, just it looked a bit, it looked a bit utterly bonkers to me. And mm-hmm. I'm not entirely surprised that it's it's been kicked into long grass. Um, and I've got to, I've got to admit as well. I think the Dover situation is another one that comes to mind. I think that that certainly needs to be sorted out soon. So there's a lot of fans thinking, what is going on about that? We're, would would they be relegated? What's going to happen with their points? So I think a lot of people have also been very unhappy um, with sort of the the how long this has gone on for as well. We criticised the national league last season for uh, the duration of all, all these talks. What's going to happen? And and again, people have said that it's gone on too long again. And for next season, there has to be something in place. That, and we mentioned this before as as well that there's no other way forward than to have a have a proper look for the next National League season. There has to be something agreed because once again, I'm in this situation, thinking what is going to happen. We we finally have come to conclusion, but I think a lot of people are uh, are very annoyed at the the you know the amount of time it took. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people did like the the idea of this, but um, I, I mean, I've seen people said about the you know how can you add credibility credibility to this when teams who voted for it are the, the exact same who voted for a null and void last season to, to try and avoid relegation. So I suppose uh, sometimes you can't have it both ways. So that yeah that looking at it it was there was a lot of uh flaws to this idea and I, I said the other week I, I I didn't expect it to go ahead. So um yeah the, the the news when it came out um on Friday wasn't surprising to me at all.
0: And in regards to this uh, you know, the idea It sounded ludicrous in the first place But it was more just a last-minute attempt To try and keep any hope of getting promotion going Now, obviously, at the moment With that Dover situation taken into account Macerson being exposed from the National League At the very start of the season This entire league is a little bit more Uh, I'd like to say a little bit more difficult to try and solve You you typically have 24 teams in that division However, with two having possibly One obviously still in the division statistically But how much longer we don't know The other one expunged We're now set to start next season with only 22 teams And there's no relegation So those teams that are currently in their relegation Have been given a massive weight off their shoulders and it's a question now of how they treat the rest of the National League season for in, in terms of playing time, because they get privileged to be able to continue playing, whereas the other teams down in the north and the south are looking at them thinking, how the hell are they getting away with this? But reality is, a big factor in it is because of the incentive of the EFL promotion and also uh, the money involved being broadcast on BT. It has a huge uh, uh, a role to play in that aspect the other one is also the financial gain from many sponsors still supporting clubs to this very minute it seems to, it seems to expand week in week out the more com- the complexities that are being dished out by many clubs in the national league we've spoken about the pledges some are doing and even ways to keep their you know finances in check while they're still working out on finding a way to be able to Balance the book Speaking of which Sutton United Top of the National League We're we'll going to cover them In a bit later on Announced this week They have had their accept, Accepted By In principle of course By Sports England Now We're not tempting fate On this show But Depending their situation The way things are going Right now On the pitch Off the pitch Might just be a bit tricky This summer for them With the possibility Of ground renovations In order to uh, In order to Abide by EFL rules they will be spending quite a bit of money this year renovating the ground. Now, that's going to be a tricky part, but the sporting of money does in some part help, along with whatever they earn from being promoted from the National League into the EFL. So, whoever you know, it's not just Sutton, of course. It can be any of them. It could be Torquay, Hartlepool, or any of the teams in the playoffs. One thing is concrete and for sure, is that next season they'll have to ground share so that costs even more money and they'll have to pay the club to use the pitch and facilities for the matches they play in? Some of those clubs in the north and the south as well will be looking up at them and thinking, Well, well, you know, this is the detriment of sometimes the decisions we make in the boardrooms. And I oppose this to you, Tom. Do you think it's a consequence of in some cases? I know they don't have a lot of money. In the north and the south, it's understandable these clubs won't make as much as the teams in the pyramid in the top division. But you have competent chairman or people who run these clubs staying down. They do a lot to try and make money. But do you think they've been overspending it, and maybe they've not been really thinking about the possibilities that could have crept up, uh, such as right now? From they could have used so hindsight, thought back way back when. Well, you know we can't really risk overspending here. We need to survive the season, so maybe we we'll just hold back a bit.
1: Yeah, we've spoken about this before, actually. Um, where I, I think some clubs, when as you think back when the um, the money was given out early on the season, that they thought they'll uh, they'll be getting money for the whole of the season. And um, obviously, we've we've gone into quite a big detail on past podcasts and in the last month or so that. Yeah, that's that's not been the case. At all the, the as again, the national league uh, haven't kept to their promise at all, and the, you know the communication of these clubs has been awful. And they've they've probably thought, oh well, we can you know we'll, we'll have enough to survive this season. We can spend like normal. So, I mean, don't be wrong. You've seen before outside of obviously this unprecedented situation that clubs have overs overspent and you know, been caught out and you know that's I always talk about the the drug of going for promotion and you know when that doesn't work out sometimes maybe you look back in hindsight that uh yeah maybe we shouldn't have spent all that money and yeah um and maybe would have been in a more healthier position but I suppose sometimes when you've got that ambition it, it does take over your mind and um yeah, you, you do sometimes spend more the more the more money than uh, than you actually have. But just looking specifically at, the, at this Sun situation, um, we, it, we're going a bit retro with, with the uh, Not Night like Two podcast. I think it was at the second or third podcast. This podcast number twenty-two, yeah, the, about the second or third one, we, had, we, had, we actually had, we actually had a conversation about three G pitches. And Greg, I remember Greg was saying he wasn't in in favour of three G pitches, but I. I can understand some of the cons, but I I was one of the ones who was, who was standing up for for three G pitches and and obviously you look at the the situation Sutton had before um, when there was possibility going up in 2017 uh, 18 season there was a campaign by the likes of, the likes of Sutton leading it and Bromley at the time there were two clubs that that could go up, but I didn't feel like the EFL were listening then. So it's it's not a surprise that. Obviously, this, this is happening and Sutton and, uh, are not going to challenge EFL. Uh, I, I felt the time EFL stuck away. It's a huge change and 3G pitches uh, so beneficial for the community. And I think it's just something that's become part and parcel of the modern game. Now, actually, personally, I'm more of a fan uh, of watching games on grass pitches. That's one because I really like grass pitches. I, I still actually like 3G pitches. I'm for them being there. I think clubs should have the choice whether to have a 3G pitch or not, but it seems like to me the EFL are not too keen on 3G pitches coming in. So if they do allow 3 d pitches in, maybe it might be the new trend and then there'll be some more traditional traditionalists out there criticising them for that. So again, it's not a surprise that obviously something are going with this and uh, yeah, it'll be, be sad actually because you know, what Paul Dossard built there, the 3G pitch, has been great to see. And I think Sutton have adapted to the pitch. Well, I think more opposition teams have adapted to them, the more you play them. Obviously, there's a lot the start. It's too hard to play. I mean, there's still a few owners out there, but I think more of the clubs and actually the fans of those clubs as well actually have grown a bit more seeing football on the 3G pitches. But obviously now for Sutton... You know, obviously, it's, it, we'll speak about more about the results. But, um, you know what they had this weekend. It's it's, it's a long way to go for something, but obviously they have to plan ahead now. Um, and it's good they communicated with the fans as well. Obviously, they should have the, the right to know. And yeah, it's 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 going to be um, a lot of a lot of money, a lot of money for, for Sutton. But I think that Sutton do have, I always feel like it, it is a plan and the best interest of the of the club at heart. And obviously, now we obviously knew you broke their, um armour about the the sporting loan that that will that will that will certainly help and yeah big decisions now for for Sutton as well um it's because it doesn't in my opinion there's no way they could start the next season at Gandy Lane um if they do go up to the Football League so yeah it's now who who they're going to be ground share with one of the names that'll come up straight away is probably Wimbledon in the conversations when they when they happen in the boardroom I, I, I presume that'll certainly be um, one of the lanes, you know, you look at the, the ground Wimbledon East play at Kingstonian and then you've got Wimbledon's new ground as well, although the Chelsea women's, women's do play at um, Kingstonian's ground as well. So, yeah, lots of big decision now to, to be made for, for Sutton um, and certainly if it does happen um, over the summer, it, it's certainly going to be a busy one, especially look at, you know, looking to put more seats in as well and Gang Green Lane's one of the, the best non-league grounds out there um, um, but, it has always been an only ground, so it, it, I tell you what, I think it's certainly going to need um, s- some big changes to it for, for it to maybe come up to more of EFL standards. Um, but I'm sure that, that's something that's something we'll, we'll have in mind and we'll plan properly.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it harks back onto the last season when Barrow and Harrogate both got promoted. And prior to making the adjustments necessary to uh, conform to the EFL regulations, most of the grounds... <laughs> were either, well, Harrogate's pitch was 3G, but they've had to lay up their ground over it now. Whereas with, Har- with Barrow, they already had a green pitch, but the way the stadium looked wasn't adequate enough for the EFL standard. Plus, you need, as we've been told to, by some friends of ours who are of the show, that you do need a reliable amount of seats in the ground before you can be promoted into the EFL officially. So... I think it's about two thousand six need to install, so it's going to be a big summer job. Should they secure promotion, be it either through the automatic spot or by the playoffs? However, as always, you don't know <laughs> you don't know what may happen between now and May the 29th. So there's no guarantees that things will be you know things will look the same between now and then in terms of the league table. But how the East league finishes this season will play a big role in what Sutton do in the future or any club that is going to be up in the division because taking the examples of Barrow and Harrogate into consideration, they have adapted well to be promoted and they've used that money, uh, the money they've earned from EFL, to good use. Obviously, Barrow look like they're on the T2 on the edge of relegation up in League 2 while Harrogate's have done extremely well in their first season in the EFL and it's a testament to Simon Weaver and his adaptability to playing in the league as well. That squad is still a core of that team is strong and can play on to, if they want to, keep playing in League 2 for years to come if they if he can retain that sort of, you know, stability or even strengthen it where possible. The same could be said for Barra as well, but they're close to relegation. If we're staying, however, in the, in the division, the Premier division, Sutton do have a big task this summer, should they? He's put off the impossible. It seems it seems ludicrous to think right now they are four points clear of Hartleyport again. We're covering the fixed results later, but. It's a huge task, and the Sporting England money will help along that way. We've just covered Harrogate. Now, a conspiracy that's been, you know, grinding many of fans' gears in the last 12 months is when do Harrogate play Concord Rangers in the 2020 Cup final? It's one that I've been getting annoyed about. Well, the FA this week have finally confirmed that that final will take place uh, in the next couple of weeks. It's a, I think it's scheduled to be on the 3rd of April, that particular final, and... I'm very happy for Concord Rangers. They have actually now got a game to play. As it's as for Harrogate, it would have been their second trip to Wembley in the season had it been possible, because they'd been promoted at Wembley by beating Notts County in the playoff final. Unfortunately, they didn't get the opportunity to play the trophy final, as they had not only already been promoted, but it would have made sense to have played them on the same day as the other final because the VARs was unlikely to continue that season's VARs, however. This season's VARs can continue and we'll ha- And they have now announced the FA as well, the, the dates for those particular rounds that have yet to be played are announced, it's all, sorted out, on the, um, it's all been sorted out in quick time apparently over a space of eight weeks. They've been looking to contact clubs and their situations in the pandemic and whether they're ready to start training again. And thank goodness they are. Because from April until May, there will be each round of the competition. I think it's every two weeks uh, around the competition we played. And the final will be culminated on the same day as the trophy final for 2020-2021. So it's great news for Harrogate and for... well, Okay, okay Haraga will want to win another trophy, I'm sure. But it's great news for Concord because their season's over. And this final is a big payday for them, win or lose, because obviously sponsors money, FA money which is long overdue from last season is big for them also the clubs that are participating in this year's trophy semifinals huge for Hornchurch as well it's hopefully they'll make it, we're rooting for them here on this podcast, but Hornchurch are looking good, we're hoping to see them in the final fingers crossed, uh, and Wokey, Notts County and Hereford as well also in the competition, big opportunity for them in this season's competition to win, a, to win that and make some money it's a big payday as I said but you never know Another bit of news, obviously. It, or we, well, not news, but it's been started to bubble a bit. We did discuss it briefly, but it is the Dover Athletic situation. A few weeks ago on this podcast, we spoke about James Parameter's decision not only to step down from the National League board, but to cease football operations at Dover Athletic for the season. Now, obviously, it was a very sad decision. It meant a lot of players who are currently contracted at the club could not play football due to the financial situation that Jane Parameter has... Suffered obviously he's had to, he had to start paying out of his own pocket to try and keep the club running. A lot of clubs have been doing that this season. The chairman or board members have been doing whatever they can to keep investing money into the running of the clubs in the in the league this year. Unfortunately, Dover's situation was worse than everyone else's. Not not to mention it was highly compact impacted by the Brexit scenario late in, later in 2020. Not their fault, but ultimately that and. The difficulty of keeping money going with the fans not being able to attend games really hurt them more than anything. So they eventually succumbed to that parameter stop football. And now there's some, you know, rumblings about the points that they have accumulated this season or points that, that clubs have taken off them will be reallocated or removed in the fairness of competition. So what, Happens to Dover in terms of league position is a complete mystery because the league is not a, is not going to see relegation this year. We don't know what will happen with them. So Tom, I wonder we did discuss it briefly yeah. just a minute ago, but let's go into bigger detail. There are, what are the most personal ways to make it fair on everyone who did who got them? Obviously, you can't take points off a team that don't play football, but. You have to keep some integrity in the league because it's not fair on the other teams that haven't played them yet to see that the teams that earn points against the side that haven't played as many games. That team still sits at the bottom and does sits at the bottom and doesn't want to play football anymore. For you, what would be the most pertinent method to try and solve this entire conundrum out?
1: I'll tell you what, Ahmed, it is a very tough one. actually I look at the the teams that were trying to propose them in the main league and they yeah i think they i think they'd be extra annoyed if obviously you know with their proposals rejected now but dover were able to stay in the in the national league next season cuz in my opinion i've always maintained this they're not playing football again this season so for me i mean i know a lot of people going to are going are gonna to say that you know would it would it be fair on teams that have already played and and earned those points and dover taking the decision now but yeah i i i think you know if a team is going to be expansion league um then you know that they're not going to be able to finish the season then yeah I'm afraid for you know sport and competition that the results against them I I think are going to have to be um taken away it's always going to be a decision which is going to cause controversy or any side of the argument but I think that's probably the best way forward now also for where Dover end up next season that I'd I I I don't have a clue about to be honest. I I really don't. You know to to start for that. that that I think that's one. Just gonna have to see how that pans out. I haven't really heard any rumblings of the the future of Dover's league position for for the the next season. But um, certainly, I think for for this twenty 2020, twenty twenty one national league season, I, I yeah I, I think that's the, the only way um, forward for that. Um, in, in my opinion, really, and I, yeah, I, I can't see Dover. Kick another ball um, So I think that's the only Conclusion that I could, I could See That, that um, See the National League Coming to
0: um, In terms of the teams That did get points Off Dover this season the, the Who are in Advantageous positions In the National League You have Wrexham You have Torquay United Who beat Dover 2-0 In October Early on in the year Stockport County That won 3-0 And Bromley Who won 4-1 Against uh, Dover Athletic This was very early on in the season when it didn't seem that they would have so much trouble, but then it started and Woking as well, who are in that sort of playoff hunt as did Autringham. Kingsley town at the bottom of the league also won against Dover. Uh, there's a few teams this season who will feel aggrieved that they're not going to be able to fulfill fixtures. And it's, it's, it's a my, it's a major inconvenience at the present there 15 games have been played. They are now 10 matches behind the teams in which, in terms of if you're counting on the closest teams in the league to them, they are bottom, of course, but they are 10 matches behind Kingsley and Barnet. And the most updated teams have played that's 20, played 29, is Alstringham in the bottom half of the table. They are a full 14 matches behind them in the league. You're not going to play that many games in time between now and the end of the season. So the f- question is 11 teams beaten, have beaten over this season. So how are you going to be able to get rid of their points without making it look so silly? It's a hard, it's a hard task to crack crap, and I wouldn't want to be the men in the National League boardroom making that decision because you are going to certainly rattle a few clubs' cages when it comes round to doing that. In the, It should be in the very near future because they do not want the season to end. Uh, Without making a decision I'm sure that last season's championship situation Definitely comes to mind Wigan Alvesic went into administration Before the final day of the competition And at that point They were in the mid-table Before the announcement was made They would be losing 12 points Because of falling into administration It then led to a dramatic final day Which Barnsley survived At the expense of Wigan Who when the 12-point deduction was administered Were relegated to League One So a similar scenario is possible. When the league is complete, they possibly will take the points of all the teams that did play Dover Athletic and succeeded or drew away from them. And in terms of balance, the sporting integrity, let that be the final result of this season. So as I mentioned, Torquay United have beaten Dover this season. If you take the three points, they've earned a, uh, a at home, um, uh, home to Dover this season. That would then put them a full seven points further back to Sussex United in the top of the National League, which is a massive gap. And even then you're thinking we've already they've already got a game in the games in hand, of course. But CERN have not only got games in hand, but the points advantage as well. And that just does and that just sucks them into the playoff race, which they're only two points ahead of Wrexham for. But again, you take those points away, that puts Wrexham into third instead of them. It becomes very perfect. Obviously, again, other clubs like Bromley would lose points. You also see Nott's County losing points. So or, sorry, Notts County would um, would re- only see a loss taken away from their record because they lost on the opening day of the season to Dover, a very lick winner that day. Uh, but of course, it's um, oh yeah, Rexham as well would lose some points, but it of course is a very difficult scenario. Again, we don't want to be any of those guys in the National League boardroom right now trying to think of ways to administer the points that they've earned from Dover and try and take them away from them. It is a difficult task there. Very difficult task. Another bit of uh, surprising uh, news that came into my head this week is, as we mentioned, uh, the fans matter. We are expecting... The FA Cup finals to be a testament according to government uh, discussions being currently, uh, being currently in progress as I understand, in regards to having fans at the FA Cup final. Now everyone remembers that the 17th of May is the day that the restrictions are eased further. That's step three of the uh, coronavirus lockdown being eased as we enter the summer where it's probably it's the biggest point of, this, of the uh, easing restrictions where everything seems to be almost as I won't say normal, I will say it will feel like we're in the winter stage where everything was a little bit calmer in the numbers before the skyrocketing in the Christmas period. This will be different because it's in the more warmer climates and in the summer, closer to the Euros as well. You will have. Fans possibly if a cup final now the national league will still be playing at this point because obviously this year they extended the season until May when rather instead of the traditional April late April finish when on April 29th they decide the league and then May early May is the playoff stages however this year with it finishing in May the playoffs are in June and <laughs> the Wembley final will also happen at Will also still happen as I understand, unless they have some dramatic change in terms of preparing for the Euros. So, fans being back in the ground top on May the 17th, it's a huge second to last day of the season. Excited, much?
1: Uh, I can't wait. Um, I really hope there's a Nothing that's going to stand in the way of this because it's extremely exciting news. It's the news that um, I think we've all been waiting for, being desperate to see fans in, in grounds and, and properly as well. I mean, we've had a little taste of it this season in the National League and actually seen it in the in the Premier League um, as well and in other divisions. Um, but yeah, for to see 20,000 fans in a football stadium, it will be a massive step. And obviously look at the preparation for the European Championships, obviously... You know, UEFA are going to want to see full capacity stadiums um, at the European Championship. So obviously, this this would be a big test event, especially Wembley being one of the uh, you know the, with the biggest ground um, in that uh, in that tournament. But obviously, just looking at the non-league perspective, yeah, it's um, as you mentioned, Ahmed, what a massive uh, penultimate uh, you know penultimate round of fixtures it's going to be. And yeah, I think you know we have a lot of stuff. I think decided on that penultimate weekend, and you know you want to see fans there, you know cheering on their teams. You know you want that raw emotion. Um, you know especially you know if it's if you're going to get promoted or or you know you're a club looking for a, a massive playoff spot in the in the national league, you're going to want your supporters there. So yeah, it's it's on that we've all missed. I've missed the, the cheering of. of, of you know, 2,000 plus fans in a, in a non-league ground, or any amount of fans to be honest. But yeah, I, I think this is a, a step in the in, in the right direction, and um, yeah, hopefully everything will go to plan and we'll have fans uh, properly back in um, grounds in the league um, from 17th to May onwards. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Certainly, date for everyone to put in their diaries.
0: Just to stress and make a bit people a little bit more excited. The last two fixtures, uh, last few rounds of the season. Unfortunately, May the 15th is just two days short of Monday the 17th of May. But, oh, what a weekend that would have been. A stop-ball play talky if people were allowed in that time. It would have been fantastic. But 22nd of May, of course, is the penultimate weekend of the season. It's a cr- There's a crunch uh, weekend for some because, obviously, we have... The present top two is Sutton Hartley will meet on the pandemic day of the season. Torquay hosting Barnett, uh, Wilston and Solihull could be a close one in terms of mid-table positioning. But it's that playoff race which will now become the focal point of the season with there being no relegation. So a few big ones there. Eastleigh and Boreham, meet Maidenhead, Pleat, Halifax Town. Uh, Stockport against Woking as well. Woking could be making a late push themselves. It's very compact in that area of the table right now, but you can imagine when we get closer to the end of May what sort of incredible madness may happen uh, at that point in the season. And then on the final day, you have Autry away to Torquay, Sutton away to Barnet, uh, Dagenham hosting Wrexham, Bromley against Notts County. Uh, Hardypool against Hartlepool may have to find an opponent on the final day of the season because their match would have been against Dover, and that's horrible. They would have to find an opponent if it so happens they don't have, if they don't have a uh, a game to play. They, I don't know how that's going to work. They need to find a team to play in order to, to finish their season. Then and their last game is against Dover. Any ideas how they're going to solve that problem?
1: Could there be a situation where for, for fairness one of partly you know one of Hartleypool's games for example could be moved back into that into that window that that possibly could be something um, that could happen so uh, yeah I, I think Hartlepool will uh, for um, Hartlepool will have to find find a way of uh, getting around that situation
0: oh mm. well, hope hopefully that we they do find a way because it would take away element of the final day of the season if they were to not be able to play. Finally, of course, in our news roundup, there have been managerial adjustments this week. Uh, Stuart Maynard has taken the job full time at Wilston after a short uh, period where he's managed to stabilise the club a little bit, and he's now there until the end of the season. Mark Yates has gone in at Solihull Moors, are uh, leaving temporary 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 leaving his role in the National League in the league below. Uh, the club he is at escapes me. In fact, we'll do a quick, some quick research just to make sure I don't look like an idiot. Uh, Mark Gates currently uh, is at Solihull now, but he was at a National League North club, I think it was, before he joined Solihull Moors. So, yeah, he's there for a small period of time. Uh, and finally, of course, Tim Flowers has been sacked again from Barnet. It's another huge called by the Barnet board, but they, he hasn't been able to change their current position in the league. And once again, it led to them wielding the axe at the Hive. So in, in it's not good for Barnet. It is really one of those like unusual situations. They will be glad that there's no relegation, but this is a big warning shot for a team that last season finished in the top half of the t- top seven, in fact. They got into the playoffs last year. So... It is bewildering. They got a big semi-final opportunity in the semi-finals against uh overall beat them. It's they got a shot at county fell short, but played so well last year under Darren Curry. And when they sacked him, I think it sounded like the most ludicrous thing they could ever have done. Sure enough, they've done it. And Tom, three bigger point three big managerial uh callings for clubs this week. It's clear to see even in the relegation scenario has been well and truly completed and sorted now clubs still feel clubs still feel very i don't know, like insecure in their, in their managerial uh, trust i would say
1: yeah certainly i mean certainly on um, tim flowers it's a uh, it's quite the fall from grace uh for for tim you know guiding solihull um you know to to the playoff spots and um for for now for, for him to 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 be sacked and yeah and and then now for uh, to, to go to a club like Barnet, which uh, let's face it, since since last uh, since you know the um, last season being called off, uh, there's not been a great deal of uh, good press uh, coming out of that club really, and it's it's a t- it's a tough situation uh, obviously for Barnet's been. They're fortunate that there's not going to be relegation this season, so they should use that as an opportunity. Like for just reference back to the National League North. Um, Blythe Spartans is one which they really need to get next season right and Barnett are, are in that same same boat really because for, for me they were one of the teams in my opinion that were yeah look at looking down now that it's it's not a surprise that uh Tim Flowers is, is is not there anymore and I think now they need to Instead of rushing and going back, going back to Martin Allen for the four thousandth time, um, then yeah, they now need to make a sensible appointment because um, that's that's a club. In my opinion, that I really like the facilities there when I've been, um, you know, at the Hive, and I feel like that there's real big potential with that club um, to, to get back in the league. But yeah, like I, you know, following Barnet fans' emotions um, on social media there. I think they feel like this was this was the right decision. Though I just feel like the, the the results were just bad result after bad result after bad result. And looking at James Shan, obviously, um, you know, I, I was actually quite excited when Soliol, uh appointed him. Um, I, you know, Sol, I think the vibe I got from Sollyol fans were that they, they think he's a really nice, you know, good, honest guy, someone you really want to back and and want to get behind. But you know, for a club of Solihull's ambitions. Um, I think this is the right the right decision. Um, letting go of James Shan and obviously Mark Gates is at the moment, as you said, Ahmed. Um, so yeah, referencing actually some of the uh, nationally north clubs have been uh, being out is, is Kidderminster. Um, is one for example, has always also been at uh, Stourbridge. So that's his uh, CV coming into this uh, spell he's going to have at, at Solihull Moors. So again, for Solio, I think this is one which I consider a really disappointing season for them. But I think one where I could, I could see Solio come back stronger, making the right decisions off the pitch. Um, obviously, I really thought they were going to build something with Tim Flowers. But yeah, it's actually quite interesting that these are uh, you know these two managerial sackings are linked are linked together quite interestingly with uh, Tim Flowers, obviously. So it's just yeah, the Tim Flowers effect this week. Yeah, and. Um, yeah obviously obviously it's for, for tim flowers what what's going to be what's going to be next for him i'm not sure i i you know what for tim flowers i say it's a fall from grace i i i really thought we had a potential football league manager there but the way you know is the way it ended for him at, at solihull and them think he wasn't actually good enough to get them out of the league and then obviously barnet yes it, it it's not the the most easiest of jobs but i'd thought he maybe could have turned them around so yeah that that's a that's one which you know he'll be he'll be he'll be disappointed with with the with the way it's ended and uh, yeah I'm struggling to see maybe what's going to be next with Tim Flowers I I wish him the best I hope he can come back stronger obviously still a a, you know imagine a game who still is learning learning uh his way and. I'm sure he'll he will come back stronger Tim flowers um but yeah for for Barnett and Solihull, um they need to use this time wisely obviously uh, and yeah lastly on uh wilston obviously um with the uh, Stuart maynard um coming in I, you, you know with with, with wilston when I looked at them early on the season i, I was I was thinking of potential candidates um for for promotion when they played that game against sutton on on bt it's you know it's it's the ruthlessness of of the national league um the way things can just change uh so quickly um but now with with the appointment of uh stuart maynard you know he's he's someone who's he's well known to the willstone fans Played for the club in the, the late 90s and you know he's been a Hugely impressive figure around the club uh, since since his return to Willstone in May two thousand nineteen. You know, got that experience working with Dean Brennan. Um, and they secured the National League uh, South tie, tie, uh, title, so it, it's one which um, I I think could I think could work out well. It's it, it seems like a, a sensible decision for from from Willstone, and you know it's, it's a big opportunity now. I mean, I mean, you know, Stuart Maynard said he sees it as a club with great people and great potential and, you know, he's spoken about, you know, after getting the job in the challenges with the financial impact, I no supporters or bar revenue, obviously, but, you know, I'm looking forward to see how Stuart Maynard does there. Um, it's tough, you know, tough boots to fill, um, but he has that experience working with Dean. Um, he's familiar how the club works, which is, which is always, always a plus. Just look at Matt Gray at Sutton, for example, uh, you know, was working as a coach, Alongside Paul Dawson and Ian Baird and something a, a flying this season, and so that's a little bit maybe inspiration for Wilson, someone who who knows the club and you, you know can has a, has an idea of the way it operates and, and the players at the club. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's a sensible decision. Obviously, Stuart's very much looking forward to you know leading the team in front of a packed house at the Vale, and they're already working on plans for next season. Um, they already have, you know, shit thinks so they already have a. Uh, a competitive uh, side. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing maybe c- can he stabilise Willstone in this league and and maybe, you know, push them for a big future. Um, so it's something I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing um, how those events are going to unravel.
0: Absolutely. And on my one trip away, which I think one of the very few I've made this season, it was to Grosvene on the day they played so in mean, in front of the BC cameras. Tremendous game, a wonderful spectacle. And the, the nature of it really has stuck with me since. But it was actually the day after I turned 26, strangely enough. But um, I remember it very well for the sheer level of high-intensity football they played. Dean Brown, who was, at the time, the manager, was given the full backing, the full trust, and, you know, you know was able to get the best out of that team especially in the in the nature of how they got promotion from the National League South. Not obviously the way the league finished, but they did play some attractive football throughout the season and warranted their promotion. In the end, it did just seem though that during this season, when the form started to tail off, he had been he wasn't not so much sacked, but the club were looking for a more established name, a more experienced manager, someone who could give them the stability that they think Brent Brennan wouldn't be able to provide. And I think Brennan started looking at, I start finding out about this and it led to him looking at elsewhere. It was a statement he put out on Twitter a little while back uh, after announcing he'd be leaving the club. I think with Stuart Maynard, it's a, as you say, he is someone that will hopefully bring stability into Wilson's squad, not only just the team. Uh, it's a, it's a very compact ground as well, there. Eh? It's a big slope and everything's like small. It doesn't seem like the sort of like, big National League grounds you're used to seeing the directions of Chesterfields or even, I dare say, in size Southern United. It's quite a compact place. And I, I think BT struggled to fit everything when they went there earlier this season. I can tell you that for sure. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's a good well-run club. And I for sure think this is a blessing for them that there's no relegation this season. This is an opportunity to learn for the rest of the season what the league is about. And I'd say the same, it would be the same for those who were in line to be relegated. It will also be a learning curve for Barnet and for Weymouth and for Kingsley. We mustn't forget Weymouth, in fact, as well, because the job that is being done down at Weymouth is absolutely incredible. And Sox took over the job, I think, earlier on in the season. And he took, he's really stabilised that team, even though they were in the relegation zone, in and out for a long time. Now they know there's no, they can't go back down to the National League South. Like I, I'd say this in the then. it's a learning curve. You now play all your games. You now don't have to worry about losing your position in the league. Play your matches, try to see how you fare between now and the end of the season, and then when you hopefully do get financial uh, abilities, uh, financial uh, income in any way possible, be it hosting events or having friendlies with fans, those would really, those clubs would benefit big time from having crowds, at a massive, massive crowds at games against any team, local academy size, for example, or the traditional B scene from a Premier League or Championship team. That would be really attractive to many fans. And I, for one, would think as we go into the summer, deeper into the summer, it will certainly be more important that financial gain is made and they can use the time between now and the season to learn what the league is about so they can go next season and take a stronger hit at it. So you never know, really. You never know. We can hope for, we can, we can hope for good for Wilson and all the best as well to Mark short stint over at Solihull and for the party Search for yet another manager. Now it's the nitty-gritty, everybody, it's time to look back at the week's fixtures in the National League, and we've obviously been hinting at who's, been, who's stolen first place in the National League. Our last show had the potential situation considered. Now the actual, the actual has happened. Sutton United lead the National League by four points after last week's results. They're massive results as well in the scale of the season that they are currently having. Last week, they had a very convincing victory, Against uh, we suppose to you last week had a good victory against probably last minute winner before a Saturday which polarized in contrast the contrast of opinion a draw the racks of a with Raxa losing to Hartlepool made that side had that chance in midweek to overtake Yeovil and overtake, sorry, overtake Torquay and go top of the league. And that's what they did. It took them, uh, it took them a while, but they scored early over Isaac Alafi in the first half before uh, some good, uh, good football from Torquay, Yerville Town. I'm obsessed with Torquay, everybody. I'm so sorry. But uh, Yeovil Town uh, were very good. They put a very strong performance in the hand, more or less, not much to lose, knowing they were in the mid-table. One maybe a late playoff push for Darren Southside. They looked it. They looked to play the part. Good football down the right hand side, playing into the box in towards Ruben Reed, who had you know acres of space. Swatted it high pass by to make it one-one. Sutton, however, left it late, and this seems to be the theme this season. Donovan Wilson joined the club on loan last week from Bar City after obviously the end of the National League South season. Had a huge role in it after making a small appearance against Wrexham. This time, he came off the bench to assist sure the winning goal for High Buttermere to get Buttermere's tenth and a very important goal. That result puts her on top of the National League on that particular night. They would go on on Saturday away to Kings Lynn, who obviously were in who were completely riddled with problems, not only off the pitch, but on it. Obviously, they have followed eight of their first-team players to be able to continue playing the season on a financial front. It meant that they had to ask, I think it was Paul Bastock, their assistant manager, to be on the bench on Saturday afternoon. He's, he, is, he's, he is 50, I'm not even kidding. And he had to the bench with, I think it was, uh, I suppose Jesse and Kyra Mitchell, the two attackers, were also with him on the bench. So they were they were literally no one there was no one on the bench he didn 't come on thankfully for King 's The two substitutes they did bring on they no help unfortunately couldn 't help them despite making chances in the game. Fleetingly, Sutton won the match And in a sense, 1-0 Did flatter Sutton a bit They did struggle, despite the diminished numbers of Kingsley But ironically, that man Wilson got an assist in midweek, scored the winner On Saturday, getting the ball from Oma Pagillion midfield, who drove onto the edge of the area He slotted it in towards Wilson Who drilled home, the only goal of the match And oh, relief was Matt Gray's side again, as they continued Their incredible run now they move on to a huge game against Chesterfield. We'll we will touch on the future results shortly. But obviously, we have to talk about those below them. In terms of Hartlepool, Hartlepool United's win against Torquay sort of set up their, their current run of form. They're obviously well, very good at home. And their way performances, dwindling as they may have looked before this period, have been very good. And it was a huge result against Gary Johnson's side. Well, last week they drew with Altrincham and it sort of allowed something to take first place. Following a very good first half, which saw a very good first half for uh, Altrincham early on, they dominated the game in, in periods. Hartlepool took the lead despite going on the semi after Lewis Cass's red card through Reese Oates in the 33rd minute, but Ryan Colclough equalised at half time. It stayed that way to the end, so Hartlepool could not uh, make sufficient ground on Sutton that night and cut away from Torquay United. Torquay couldn't play because Aldershot had a COVID case. Obviously, they played this weekend, thankfully. so good news for them. It moved on to Saturday, and life didn't get much easier for Hartlepool against Eastley, who, yes, again, made it hard for them. Eastley are a good run of form chasing playoffs. They were... They were heading up to Victoria Park, hoping for a a result that would help them get into the top seven. Team Mordesina's red card, though, for the home side did not help. And in a 0-0, it really made life increasingly difficult for Hartlepool. They did have a couple of chances late on, though, which I feel they should have scored in the form they're in. But it ends their winning run at home. They're still unbeaten, but Eastley have been the first team to go up there and stop Hartley for winning this season at home this year. And credit where credit is due to Ben Streven's side. The rest of the results from last week uh, will move on to Saturday. Barnet nil, Wrexham 2. Wrexham keeping their playoff hopes going and the strong form they're in right now. That promotion bonus will be tantalisingly close, apparently. Dagenham lead uh, 1-2-1 against Maidenhead. Find victory with two goals of Paul McCallum following up from is uh, doubled on the weekend previous. Five for Stockport against Sony Hall. Obviously, that's what led to the rent, uh, dismissal of James Chan. Mission Sutton being Hart- uh, Yeovil, Hartlepool joined with Altrincham. <clears throat> uh, Halifax getting a huge win against North County. You've suddenly, before the well, Saturday gone, had a very difficult run of form. A winning goal scored by Tavon Campbell. Wilson beat Kingsley by three goals to one. And woking oh, okay, nil, no, Bournemouth nil. No. So, tough result there for more as they chase the playoffs on Saturday. Notts County made amends for their defeat after signing Mark Ellis in, in the midweek. He scored on his debut in the 50s, 60s. And made it, scored the only goal of the game at the fail against Wilston. Auto shot returned from their COVID uh, period. With a big 2-1 victory against you Liverpool have in a scoring before Hancock penalty in the 47th minute. They left it late, but TK Candy scored the points to give Aldershot their first win after a 10-day period out. Feisty game at Hayes Lane saw Bromley draw 2 2 with Barney and find some good goals in that one as well, particularly Michael was equalising in the 63rd minute. Both of Bromley's goals were scored by Trosser and Cheek for the penalty spot. Baker Richardson scored his penalty early on after Joseph Kizzy was sent off for a professional foul on the man in who was running in on the penalty area. <clears throat> Uh, but also, it led to uh, it also led to both sides ending with ten men. Kizzy's red card for Bromley was one of was the first of three in that game. James Dunn was also sent off a Barnet, but also the protests of a, a foul on one of the Bromley players led to Neil Smith getting absolutely irate, and the referee had no trust for sending him off as well. So a touchline ban is in order for Neil Smith at Bromley. Halifax Town beat a very strong much improved thankfully uh sorry how he more side ryan was martin was scored the penalty but an incredible clearance off the line uh towards the end of the game for halifax saw Sorry, hall come away with nothing but it was a good opportunity it was hardly with the i think Carl Hudley was in on goal he tried to be beat the keeper but on the line i think it was woods that cleared it away so credit where credit's due for uh, Halifax, a huge win they're looking good for the playoffs we mentioned hartley paul Joy with Eastley and obviously Andy with 10 men in that game. Big result in the playoff hunt. We mentioned Sutton's win against Kingston through Wilson's winner. Manninghead beat Chesterfield 2-0 through goals from Nathan Bliss and Blissett and Daniel Sparks. Big with Alan Devich's side. Uh, Stockport versus Dagenham was called off because Dagenham have a positive COVID case which will not help their because They've got a huge run of fixtures coming up but they are in the mid-table hunt. So I think it's a, a timely break for them but at the uh, same so time we wish them well. Uh, Stockport will have been teething at that at that match being called off. They are currently occupying the playoff spots. Wrexham beat Weworth by two goals to nil. Ponticelli scoring his first goal of the season after the opening goal scored by Tia T- Mitchell from a corner. And uh, Yeovil beat working by two goals to one. Obviously, it's sad news this week of the Vicar Dibley uh, actor Trevor Peacock Passing away it was very sad I saw Tom Was a big fan Of the show Clearly He acknowledged That one But um, it was Obviously a sad Week for Yeovil Town It's a massive Yeovil Town fan And ultimately He must have been In their spirits In their 2-1 win Two goals for Reese Murphy To give the home team The lead Reese Murphy scored a great scoring Run recently Matt Crescent Pulling one back For Woking But ultimately Moot Point Didn't lead to anything The late kickoff Was between Borwood and Torquay Talkie, And Torquay's words Continue again they could not manage to break down Paul who, despite end to end game, it's with many chances. Ace to Hall missing a penalty as well in the first half after a great safe coming in for Ashmore, It didn't really appease many it appease many, a fan, if you're down in Devon right now. I, um, I feel a bit hard for you as Talking United succumbed to yet another game with no points. So the table heading into matches which we'll talk which are playing tomorrow. Southampton United have now taken the lead in the National League. Four points clear of Hartlepool United, but they also have a massive advantage on games in hand in terms of the three teams challenging for the top spot. They have a two-game advantage over Hartlepool and three over Torquay United, with Wrexham in four two points further behind Torquay. Topport didn't play last week but against last Saturday, but they will be keen to keep up with the pace setters. And they are also in a advantage of, I think, a couple of games at hand. One of them is coming up soon against Sutton this Saturday. We'll cover that in a second. Notts County's win on Saturday against Wilston ended a small run of difficult games where they haven't picked up a result, but they are looking now to be look back on the fresh trail of hunting down the teams above them. They have a four-game uh, advantage on everybody else in the league in terms of the hunt for not only a player, but maybe if they get their run right, they could be promotion contenders. North County are just above Halifax, who have had a great siege run as of late, with a five-match unbeaten run, four wins and one draw against Hartlepool. They've looked good and have earned their spot in the top seven. They're just a point ahead of Eastleigh, who they who drew with Hartlepool on Saturday. Bromley's result with. Uh, with Barnet did not help them in their chase to get in the top seven. Same could be said for Boran Wood. Yerville now joined them on 38 points. Aldershot are on 37 with Altrincham as well. And then Chesterfield, whose defeat against. Uh, the defeat on the last side they didn't really help. The Maidenhead looks good on Saturday. And I've also joined them on thirty-six points. Uh, then it's Dagenham Redbridge, Solihull, Woking, and wilston Weymouth, Kingsley, and Barnet, Dover at the bottom as ever on fifteen games. We've made stress again, no relegation now, so that the league will continue as normal. The bottom sides are safe for another season. This week, though. Some huge fixtures, starting away to Chesterfield. Obviously, Chesterfield in a a bit of a pear-shaped situation at the moment. Losing their last the last game against Maidenhead, after the back of two wins against Eastley and Yeovil, they will look to improve against. As I they have been playing very well against at their at the Technique Stadium this year. That's what they call it. it used to be called the Pro Act. I'm just going to call it the Chesterfield Stadium. How about that? Too many sponsors for me. Uh, big game, though, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Sutton need a win to keep the momentum going. Uh, Chesterfield, though, do make it awkward for them. So, Macrae will be well aware, especially last season. A very controversial game when they won 1-0 over in Chesterfield. It didn't end with a fisticuffs at the end as well. Halifax against Aldershot is also on tomorrow. Kingsley, this as I've said, will be playing Hartlepool. I think Hartlepool will go into that one with a bit of confidence knowing that they will Probably get a fair few goals in that game. unless Kings they put in a stellar performance. All the best to them, of course. Stockport against Barnet. It's a huge game. Barnet looking to improve their season now. They cannot be relegated. Stockport needs to close the gap on the teams above them. A big six points in the playoff race with Wrexham hosting Eastleigh. Boroughwood are hosting Notts County, looking to follow up on their draw against uh, Torquay United. Dagenham are playing against Weymouth. Maidenhead hosts Torquay. Torquay need, them. need to get a result against Maidenhead. Solihull obviously won't be able to play tomorrow as their match would have been against Dover. Woking hosts Altrincham and Yeovil play Bromley. And then on the Saturday, we have Aldershot against Bournewood, Altrincham against Dag and against the Daggers. Chesterfield away to it. Bromley hosting Solihull, Easterly against Halifax. Then it's Woking travelling up to Hartlepool. Notts County against Yeovil. Stockport are going to Sutton. And then it's a huge game for Torquay again against, against the side they really. Need to be in fact second and third meet Kings Lynn this week, so Tokyo will hope that Hartlepool don't beat them up too much so they can deliver one too if their desperately numbers still prove to be uh, insufficient. And Weymouth against Wilson being the last on the games of Saturday. So big review there, Tom. Let's hear it from you, pal. Some r- ridiculous results, but we'll start. We've obviously now established there's no relegation. So, pressure's off the teams at the bottom. All the fun now is in the top 10. Yeah. And my goodness, have we been treated to some fun this week?
1: We certainly have. I mean, you're going to look at the big winners. Um, it is Sutton United. You know, I... Well, actually, I'll, actually two big winners, Sutton and Halifax. I'll start with Sutton. Um, just looking at the top seven. So, yeah, Sutton obviously going to the top of the league. Um, I said, yeah, the other week, I didn't think that point against Wrexham was bad at all. And I expected Sutton to just... Karen building on it and they certainly have it I think what was really encouraging about the two results of Sutton this week is the performances weren't to the level probably Matt Gray expects uh, of the team because he has such high expectations obviously but for for me what is consistently in this team is the character and that is what uh, has got the team through these two games this week and I think you're looking at Sutton, you probably, Matt Gray, probably saying, I actually want the performance levels to go up even further because this is why Sutton are top because they can grind out results when they're not playing well, but they have a really good mentality as well that they want to score more goals, they want to kill off teams quicker. And you've seen that quite a lot of such results. Sutton have improved dramatically on goal differences compared to, you know, Previous, you know, previous season after 25 games played, this is this is one of Sutton's best goal differences, um, certainly I've I've ever seen. So, you know, it really shows that the ruthless streak and the organisation at, at, at the back. But yeah, just for the team to to dig in this dig in this week, and this is results you're really gonna be. These are results that you're really gonna be judged on. the, the ones can you dig it out when you're not quite your best, and, and Sutton have proved that. And you know what a, you know what a day it was for them on, on Saturday because we, Hartlepool um uh, against Eastleigh, that that's a tough that was a tough one for Hartlepool. But I I'm I did actually my predict prior predictions I had Hartlepool to come through that one. But obviously you're looking at that playoff pitch that was a vital point um for Eastley. But yeah, the the late game um, was one which really caught my eye as well with, with Talky after Sutton getting that win. But Hartleypool slipping out to so, a chance for the Torquay to, you know, build a, a little gap on points instead of being level on points and to keep the pressure on something, but they really felt fell flat at the end. And, and to be honest, I I thought Bourne were going to win that. Luke Garrard said after the game, um, he, he thought Bournewood should have won it. And they'll see that uh, as, as two points missed to go um, level on points to Halifax, um, who are the other winners, in my opinion, this week, obviously jumping into that top seven to, to go away uh, to Notts County. Um, uh, that is an unbelievable result. And now they're right on the coattails in Knox County, albeit Knox County you've played two games more. Um, but yeah, for, for Halifax th- this week, this has been uh, an, an unbelievable week. And you, you look at, obviously, not just Eastley not winning at Hartlepool, though I think you see, as I said, we'll see that's a good point. But Bromley as well, slipping up at home to Barnet, That'll be one that they'll be incredibly uh, frustrated with. Um, obviously, I think bournemouth you know, should have beaten Torquay. So the playoff race, it's it's very tight. In fairness, you've got Aldershot on form um, at the moment, and Goval, I I could see them. You know, I wasn't surprised that they've recovered quite nicely since uh, since that defeat at Sutton. Obviously, getting that win against working on Saturday. So. Yeah, I think oh, I think you know you look at size like Ulster will be we disappointed obviously with with, with their drop off, so you wouldn't really have them as one of the key favourites. I'm I, anything can happen. We've still got a long way to go, but at the moment as we speak, I'm really looking at as a, a key group it, It's from Halifax, shot, um downwards. Just like, looking at that little playoff group. I mean, obviously, Knox County, you could you could actually say they're only two points and being outside the playoffs, but I think in those games hand, I expect Knox County to take advantage. It was a big win this weekend for Notts County, though, um, at Willstone. Um, a really hard-earned one, quite similar to the the win Sutton got at Kings Lynn. So, big credit to Notts County. That's that's a, that's a big win for them. I think now they're going to look to to push on and, and put pressure uh, on the likes of Wrexham um, and Stockport and then look up to, to that top three. So, it, it's certainly a weekend that hasn't lacked entertainment. Um, you look at a dark horse, For for top spot outside the top three, Wrexham uh, certainly a really good bet. As you mentioned, Ahmed, about the promotion bonus, I I think, you know, what a turnaround for them. I I think the ownership has just lifted that club um, so much and they're in a really good place now. And, you you know, look at that, Faunce, putting Sutton the other week, but then to to go off the back of that and get two straight wins, seven points from the last three. Um, for Wrexham that, that's absolutely massive to keep their faint hopes alive obviously the yeah the games they've played doesn't put them in good favour when you compare it to Sutton Torquay but you'd rather have the points on the board and you know anything can happen those games in hand for, for Sutton Torquay so I think Rexham will have all hope that they can maybe gate crash that top three party because so that's a at the moment that's looking like quite a solidified top three and the top three we're all familiar with, but I think the way this promotion race is going, we're going to get a lot of twists and turns and certainly just quickly going back to the playoff race. That is the one where you can maybe see what if Altry maybe pick up the, their form again. And you can't rule out Chesterfield still three wins out of, out of their last five. Also we disappointed with the defeat they uh, had at the weekend, but I, I, I maybe expect Chesterfield to, to one of those teams, I think to grow stronger as the season goes on. So maybe don't rule them out. Um, but as I said, I think Halifax one of the most formed sides, uh, along with Sutton, in the national league at the moment. So, I think they're the big sides to look out for in the in the promotion. So obviously Sutton really take command now, and Halifax getting themselves in the in the, in the playoff spots. So maybe actually Halifax will be looking to to move up further, maybe get themselves to a, a top five or in the top six. So what what an amazing achievement that would, that would be for them. So yeah. More twists and turns to come um, and, and certainly all to play for. Uh, it's going to be another exciting week in National League, that's for sure.
0: Absolutely. And it tells you the testament to Pete Wall's sides that they don't give up. It has really been ingrained into this team for the time he's been at the club. And I feel like now, after learning the lessons of last season, falling short against Borough Wood and nat- the nature of that particular res- defeat uh, that on that warm summer's day, they feel that we get here. We got here once. Let's try again. Let's see if we can really make it. Make it this time and take our chances when they matter. Obviously, the personnel's not very much different to the team that was in last season's competition. You do have one or two reservations regard with um, re- constant sorry, replacements there. So I apologise. Some a different, some different personnel this time. So. For them, I think they have a very solid team. They have a side that under Ward, who really strenuously, he takes a lot of time on his opposition. Unless you make it hard for them, then they will make, they will treat you in, in games such as the ones against Torquay recently, and the way they've gone on that fantastic winning run, uh, winning run, a little winning run they've been on, and just the one anomaly they draw away to um, Hartlepool. They have they have a really good form right now, and it makes me think that could be their platform to finishing, as you say, high in the top seven. So obviously, you guarantee a semi-final berth if you finish second and third. I mean, it would be a surprise if Torquay did drop off even further uh, this season because the way they played up to the point where they lost uh, against uh, against Halifax and then to Hartlepool it did just seem that they were never going to go off first place. And and something Chris Hargreaves proclaimed on uh, a live show on BT Sport that you don't see Torquay coming down because they look so good right now. There's no way they'll lose their first spot. But closer towards the end of the season, you're definitely going to see a lot of focus, not only by BT, but a lot of media focus on that top seven and closer to the top, more importantly, because of how... Close, it is. I still don't think you can really call it now. We still have a substantial amount of the of the league to go, and this year it's, I think it will get up to like forty-four games if that's how it is with the forty. Actually, no, it take away forty-two games. I apologize. So There'll be forty-two games if anything. So you're taking away the two matches that you can have against Macclesfield and the other two against Dover. Forty-four games this season, and. With the amount remaining, uh, Hartlepool being the most... I think Hartlepool of 28. The most updated team is Ultingham, who have played 29. In, in this case, there are 15 matches to go. So we will fly through 15 games. No trouble at all. But in some, for, for them, it will just fly by. But for others, it will feel like there were games in hand. It will be a slog, but it will be really, really exciting to see how it finishes. Another shout-out I need to make is... Obviously, oh, no, I, I think I could call it a shower, actually. It's Maidenhead United. Now, obviously, earlier in the season, they were in the playoff race, but Ford dipped a little bit for them. Alan Devish's side had a huge three points against Chesterfield on Saturday. They still have a fair few games to make up ground on, but uh, I think he's stabilised the club over there. And I find that, that his job is one that you tend to try to talk with. As much uh, some praise, but you also want to make sure that they don't, always, they don't always go under the radar, they can put a run together, and they've shown that in stages this season,
1: yeah, certainly. Um, and Alan Devonshire, we look at um, the main their Twitter account in Devs We Trust, they they love that guy. That the stability he's brought to that club, um, has been nothing short of phenomenal in my opinion I, I really I really think that that they're so lucky to have a manager like um, Alan Devonshire and I think he's someone that the, the main their fans believe and when there is a tough time you stick you know there's someone that you want to root for you stick behind him really it, it feels like for me he's a he's such a big character and leader at that club and Whenever I see a little bit of a different form for Mainhead, as you said, Ahmed, in my opinion, they're more than capable of going back on a run of form. So, could they? You know, you mentioned in there. Could they be a maverick team I'm, I, for the playoffs, mate? Why not? It, it's mental, isn't it? The, the gap from sixth to fifteenth is five points. This is the entertainment we've got on on offer now. Yeah. And as you as you mentioned as well, Ahmed, twenty four games played for Mainhead, You know that that's they. For example, they got five in, in hand on Ulster, but you know, looking at that table more, four in hand on, on Bournemouth and Yeovil, uh, and and then two in hand on um, Halifax, Eastleigh, and Bromley. Obviously, uh, you know the the teams that catch your eye straight away when you're looking at that uh, playoff race. So, although uh, can they make the most of those games in hand? There's there's a chance there, there really is for them, and if, if they can win a fair few of those games in hand. Um, and obviously keep you know really keep that form up um, if they can win those games hands because obviously yeah that we there was a little bit of a dip but the the win against Chesterfield I think gonna lift the whole place Um, and you know that's now taking them level on points for Chesterfield and I I really think that'll just give Maynard that confidence thing no we're still in this yeah we've, we've tailed off a bit we can we can still stay in this and and, and get up the table and as i said the, it's such a weird time this season you, your brain thinks there's not that much time left but actually yeah as you, as you said there are med there's a fair few gains to go in it. and it and it you know yeah it might feel like a slog but i i, I think if, if you can get the run together the gains are going to feel a lot nicer and i have every confidence alan devonshire will will lift that dressing room back up again and get them on a good run of form and yeah they could certainly join that uh, that pack uh, that's going to really have a big chance of, of getting into the top seven. But what what a fantastic job he's done so far, and I I expect him to to keep on building that club further and further up. So yeah, huge huge credit to to to, to Mainhead, and I I think that the job that Alan Dembs has done. I think it is appreciated so much by Maynard fans. They're still right with him and I expect Maynard to to, to get the form up actually and, you know, I, I think a top half finish certainly for them is, is not off the cards.
0: Like I said, obviously, teams will need to use this as a period of learning the league. Minus the two sides that do get promoted to the EFL, the rest of the league will more or less be the same next season. So, if you're a team, as of the side like of Maidenhead i mentioned, if they get a running, maybe they could be playoffs, who knows? He has come back down there. But it's a big learning curve for a lot of these sides to adapt for next season. When we do get around to next season, who knows what will happen? Because it is, it is unpredictable the National League, and any game of football is. But this particular season has already thrown up many anomalies. And next season will, I'm sure, add a few more to the mixer. So you want if you are a maidenhead, if you are an shot, if you're a team at the bottom like a Wilston or a Kingsland or Barnett, you want this season to be, with no relegation in particular, you want this season to be a learning curve, adapt to the division, and the next season, give it your best and see what comes, what you come up with, regardless of what position in the league you happen to be in. So, yeah, I think, particularly I singled that maidenhead because it looks like they are just starting to find some, Tranquility around York Road And some patience is being given to the manager He's been here for the best part of three seasons now He's definitely improving that team Day in, day out I feel that With that plus the other sides Who are in that little mid, mid-table area Where they're not really progressing too much But struggling to win games You will find It will be a tricky situation to handle The final question Tom Can Sutton do it? Can they actually pull off the impossible? Now the last time they were in this situation, December 2017, they took the lead in the National League. And they went, we had a, it was a good run of form, and does well, Paul does well at that, that, that time. Obviously, post-FA Cup, big investment in the club. Lots of players came in, and it seemed to, like the following, following on from that run in the FA Cup, they used it as a leech pin in the league. And ultimately, they did miss out, just miss out on the title that season. Then the playoffs happened. You win the first playoff, get to the second, the semi-final. So close, obviously, against Portland Wood. It was heartbreaking for that club. They had a season in transition uh, under Doswell. He struggled to be able to replicate that form in the 1890 season. And then last season, Matt Gray came in towards the end of that 1890 season. Matt Gray comes in, takes the job full-time. He's built a team now with, I think, a crop of players, which I think have learned... Of the intentions that Matt has with these boys, they want to win. They're passionate about playing for the shirt. <coughs> Excuse me, but most importantly, retaining retaining a core of the players that were in that side in the seventeen eighteen season. In fact, even bringing back one or two in Louis John and our point. I think uh, Carl Riga spot had spelled before, came back in as came back in as well. <clears throat> All of those players have still remained with the club to this day, and now look where they are. It's just the same team. The only difference is the managers getting the best out of them. So, can they do it, Tom?
1: Yes, I, 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 <laughs> I so I, I, I believe they can. We know there's a lot. We spoke about sp- sp- that a lot. There's a long, long way to go. But I just look at what Matt Gray's done. Is he's, he's combined the key players from the Paul Doswell era. And added some new sparks in it as well. Will Randall, uh, David Ajiboy, um, you know Omar Bigel, and yeah, you know, even the new signing, uh, you, you know, although it hasn't played too much. Donovan Wilson, oh. it, what what a weekend he's had getting that winner. Um, I, Isaac Alafe was was a, was a, a contact um, Matt Gray, yeah, Matt Gray knew of it at Millwall, and he's brought him in on on, on two loan spells now. So that's that's absolute masterstroke. Again, Ben Goodliff, uh, new player that, that's coming in um, over the past couple of seasons, obviously, is the assistant manager's son. So there was that really good link there. There's just smart decisions being made. It's something bring Louis John back. Um, but, he, yeah, keeping that core of, of key figures at the club, though, Craig Eastman, Harry Buteman, Jamie Collins is, is still a coach at the club. Kenny Davis, he's come coming. the team, done brilliantly. Even, it's a new addition from Matt Gray, but Rob Milson coming in. That, he's so versatile, Rob Milson. He could play at full back. He can play in midfield. Again, such, obviously, uh, you know, I got you seeing Rob Milson in a midfielder, but now he's back in left-back position. Um, mm. So, he, and that's just, they're just a, a few examples there, um, you know, of new new faces that Matt Gray's brought in. But again, you look at that core of that team and, and you really look at the core of the team in that midfield to push you forward, to add that creativity Crease and Harry Butman, uh, you know they they've, they've they've been there, at Sutton. They've they've worn the t-shirt, they've done it. They, you know, for me they're going to be looked at I think as modern day Sutton United legends. And to keep them on board at the club with the new additions, I, I think there's the right characters there. Um, and I think the thing I like about Sutton as well is they don't you don't lose games back to back. They're just so good at that. I mean, look at all competitions they have this season, but in the league. It doesn't really happen, and that that's a key trait to have, and and that is why starting the top with such a you know compared to other teams, smaller amount of games, but with a four point cushion already, it's because they 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 don't lose too much, and they've got the second best attack, second best defence. So from where Matt Gray was as well in the early stages, what what a turnaround! So again, when you have those tough moments, it's about how you come back, and that's really the sign of of a of a good manager and a good squad as well, and. That is what's happened with with, with Sutton United. So I believe they can. They're up against a quality uh, contenders though. Obviously, in in talking Pool and Rexton who's spoken on the ride. Right. So it's going to be very tough. There's a huge slug of away games. That, again, you took about the character down to go away from home consistently. Can they at least get a point maybe out of some games that play well in? But obviously, I think I think with the with the mentality of the squad. I think they're just going to go and want. They feel like they're going to they're gonna be on cloud nine, and they're going to they're going to go and feel like they they can win any game against any opposition in this league. So, you know, the sky's the limit for this Sutton side. And yeah, I, I Sutton fans just appreciate Matt Gray so much. And huge credit I would say to Paul Doswell as well. He's he's laid the foundations, uh, and Matt Gray has used those foundations so well, but use his own style with it and it, it's it's a lovely blend and that's the reason why Sutton the top they've just got to keep it up. Um because as I said I I I I wouldn't be surprised if he get back on form. Hartley pool I think are going nowhere. I don't think that they'll view that as too bad of a point against Easley actually um with with the ten men they had. So uh still to play for Sutton but yeah yeah I can't give enough 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 credit to Matt Gray. What a job he's done.
0: Absolutely and it is a it is as I say a testament to his trust in the players that were there from the very start with him, that he's, trust, he's kept them going throughout this difficult period. And it takes a lot for for you to get a side who, for a long time last season, were in the bottom half of the National League table. They, looked like, they didn't look like they were really in the position of threatening the playoffs any time soon, but they had a good run of form towards the end of the season. And when it was curtailed, obviously... What happened, happened. But he's followed up with that. And they've continued on this year. And they've only lost four games in the National League and two in competitions, uh, in league and competitions. So that's six defeats all season. It's a great achievement. He, is made, he has had a team now that are very hard to beat, that can score goals, that are very confident. Obviously, they did lose a couple, a key man in Tommy Wright last season, and he scored a bag of goals for them in that little period last year as well. Moving back to having a water lever with Paul Oswell, but replaced him amicably with Isaac Alafia on loan this season, and it's just like uh, he's a, he's like the final piece to Matt's jigsaw. Now he's just hoping this team with Wilson, obviously Donovan Wilson joining this week as well, uh, Josh, Josh Nemhard as well, who's got Champions League experience with TNS. It's incredible. Another Champions League player in the team, Tom?
1: Uh, Craig, Craig Eastman put me on the spot here.
0: There you go, mate. Champions League group stages. Craig Eastman played a yeah. little while back for Arsenal. So Josh Nembhard played against Copenhagen in the Champions League for TNS. So he actually managed to go far with them. Uh, unfortunately, they did get knocked out, but his experience there has obviously helped him. And... It's something special. They are building something really good at at Gandy Green Lane. And I'm sure uh, I've spoken well with the board members there. They are so confident. They think they're ready. They know they are. They've had ratification from the EFL. They're happy to have them in the league. I think now it's just a matter of getting the job done. That is all they need to do. And really, we have to wait and see what the rest of the season delivers. But... Football's an unpredictable spot, everybody. We know this already. So you can't count on someone who's being first had to be there for, at the very end. It's down to them to hold on to that fantastic run they're on right now. So big praise to Matt Green and the lads over at Gander Green Lane. So, Tom, for our star of the week, um, it's, a, it's a tricky one this week. I think, again, I find it hard to award it, but I'm seeing – I find it difficult giving it. So from here on out, you can decide who our star of the week is.
1: Okay. Um have do you know a, what? I'm gonna keep up the Maynard theme. Dan Sparks, mm. an assist and a goal. You know, could, he really turned that match in Maynard's favour against Chesterfield. Um so for me, he's gonna get the star of the week. Um that was a big win for Maynard. We spoke about that. So Dan Sparks you know, spoke about Alan Demshire off the pitch impact he's had, but you're looking at on the pitch, Dan Sparks is, is one of their big players, and he really stepped up this weekend. So yeah, goal and assist against Chesterfield. And the tuna win. I'm gonna give it to Dan Sparks as our star of the week.
0: Bravo, Dan Sparks, formerly of Barnet and scoring against Stoke in the FA Cup title a little while back. Yeah, he's uh he's a massive fan of I'm a massive fan of his ability on the pitch and he certainly has helped in Maidenheads good season so far, despite their league position. Crucial goal on Saturday against just for the three points. So got, we haven't got much for you, but The least we can give you is gratitude and congratulations on earning our not the 92 start of the week. So, congratulations again to Dan Sparks of Maidenhead and to Maidenhead for that huge three points against Chesterfield on Saturday. So, um, I guess that's it from us in terms of this particular podcast. But it's not the last time you're going to hear from uh, us this week, or not me, I won't be there. But Tom and Greg will have Chris Commons on a huge not the nighty extra this week where the former scotland international will talk a lot about his career his thoughts from the national league season and more it's a great podcast that we are about to re- which is about to be recorded it's going to be recorded tonight when this is hopefully when we finish with this and it's released this show will be accompanied by that not the nighty extra and tom i'm sure you're excited to be talking to such a really talented player in his craft
1: yeah it's it's going to be um really good conversation as i said look at the clubs he's been at look at the managers he's he's played under there's going to be some good stories there um he was part of the Knots county set all so for the Knots county listeners we'll make sure uh, to talk about that a bit so uh, yeah it's just something a, a bit different obviously you look at chris commons look, you look at him there's not actually links and on lee but we thought also we'll get some different outside perspectives to give their stories it's a good contact that greg has sometimes you need to use your contacts well then <laughs> Yeah, Chris Commons, you can't. Yeah, he can't really turn that down when he had that sort of contact. So uh, yeah, they, I'm sure provide some some great stories. And yeah, one one I, I guess I think a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners will look forward to hearing from.
0: Um, I'm excited to hear it. I think he will be a great <laughs> guest. And Greg's contacts, as a, as a Tom says, are very good ones. Especially when from how he's worked up in the north, he's certainly showing testament by bringing his high profile. Stars, he's, he's even played in the Champions League. God damn it! So, there's someone who will tell you stories about the night against Barcelona if you want them to keep an eye out on that podcast. We really think it's a big one that we're about to record with him. So, as always. Keep an eye out on when that's being released. But if you're also, as I stress every week, if you want to look back at more of our guest appearances on the podcast, we've had so many from the start When we in, back in July. We invite so many big guests, John Champion, Lee Clark, it uh, goes on and on. It's so many. We're going to keep trying to get on... More managers, more players, if we can, between now and the end of the season. Uh, I'm going to try and talk to someone who works in broadcasting in the Premier League. He might come on. Who knows? I'm going to encourage him. But um, uh, let's see what happens. But alas, that's it from us this week, everyone. I, I really, I think me and Tom really appreciate you coming on. As always, keep a huge keep whatever it is whatever you can keep an eye out on when we go live with the Chris Commons not the 90 extra on our socials at NT92 on Twitter and NT92 underscore pod so Tom thank you pleasure as always to have you on and it really is turning into a crazy finish in the National League but we're really spoiled aren't we
1: yeah I love talking about National League as always with you Ahmed and On to another week. This is what's going to turn into now. Loads and loads of midweek games. So we're we're going to be trepped to a lot of National League football and a lot of highs, a lot of lows, twists and turns. I think it's going to have a lot. So I can't wait uh, for the next podcast to talk about it.
0: Yeah, have fun talking to Mr. Commons, eh? And... um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and obviously to you guys listening again Thank you so much for tuning in We really appreciate it And again a huge shout out to me, Party And family sports for supporting us uh, And uh, on to another crazy week In the National League um, I'll, I'll leave us this week With a different quote One that uh, uh, we're not used to, we are not used—we may have been used to hearing When we were a little younger But unless I'm very much mistaken I think I am very much mistaken Work out that one, if you will Good night everyone